Hey, if you're a longtime listener of Decrypted, you might recognize my voice. My name's Aki Ito. I'm an editor with Bloomberg, and I was one of the original co-hosts of this show. And I am so happy to say I am back to be your host again. We've been working on some amazing stories that I can't wait to share with you over the next few months. And with that, I hope you enjoy our first episode of the season. This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. It's January 9th, 2007. And Apple CEO Steve Jobs is on stage at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. Every once in a while, a revolutionary product comes along that changes everything. Apple at this time is worth and about $70 billion. It's making computers and it's making well, iPods, if you remember what those are. It's a well-known company, but certainly not one of the most powerful in the world. So, three things. A widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough internet communications device. Jobs is here to announce the next big thing, a widely anticipated product that he's staking Apple's future on. These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Twelve and a half years later, Apple is in a very different place today. At that moment in 2007 was the beginning of a historic surge that's turned Apple into an almost $1 trillion giant. Apple is now contending with a stall out in need of its next blockbuster product. Today on the show, ahead of Apple's announcement of the next generation of devices, you'll be hearing from our consumer products reporter, Mark Gurman, who has the exclusive details on what to expect from these new phones, including cameras that can take wider photos. Will these upgrades be enough to reinvigorate growth at Apple? I'm Aki Ito. You're listening to Decrypted. Stay with us. It's official, the next Apple event is upon us and we're getting a fresh batch of Apple devices in a matter of days. The invitation is out, Scott, and it says, by innovation only, please join us for an Apple special event at the Steve Jobs Theater in Cupertino, September 10th at 10 a.m. Of course, Scott, this would be um, the event where So Mark, we're just days away from Apple's annual event where executives will be announcing the company's new slate of products. As a reporter covering Apple, what are these final weeks like for you? Yeah, I mean, the final two weeks is sort of the marathon to the end. And this is the time where there's lots of information floating around from lots of different people. Hmm. So are you stressed out right now? No, I, I don't, <laughs> don't really get stressed about it. I mean, believe it or not, it's been almost 10 years, about nine, a little bit more than nine and a half years since I started covering Apple. So it's, it's just the usual stuff uh, year over year for me here. 
So we started the show today with Steve Jobs unveiling the very first iPhone. Uh, I was in college at the time, and I vaguely remember hearing about it in the news. Do you remember that day when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone? Where was I? So at the time, I remember that I knew the, the Macworld conference was that day. But I remember just going to Apple.com, and I was like, wow, that seems like the, the coolest you know thing ever. It, it was like something that the tech industry hadn't seen before. I mean, if you see the reactions of people in the crowd, it's just uh, unbelievable to people. That's not something that we've seen, not only from Apple, but really many of the other technology players since then. Last year, Apple came out with three different versions of the iPhone Uh, You can think of them as the two high-end models and the one low-end model. The most expensive one, of course, was the Tennis Max. That's the one with the high-resolution screen, the best camera, also the biggest size. Then there's the XS, which is basically the same phone, just smaller. And then we got this low-end model called the XR. Not as nice of a display, not as nice of a camera, but it's also a few hundred dollars cheaper. Mark, tell us about the biggest changes coming to this year's models. So there's going to be the same three screen sizes, and the cameras will both be upgraded on on both sets of phones. So right now, the XR, as you know, has one camera on the back, and the XS and XS Max have two cameras on the back. The story this year will be two cameras on the successor to the XR and three cameras on the back of both sizes of the high-end Pro phone. And what does it mean when you have more cameras? When you add a second camera, it allows you to have optical zoom. Right now, if you're on a single camera, so the 10R today, when you go to zoom in and you go past the standard range of 1.0x zoom, it will get a little blurred because it's digital zoom versus physical zoom. But the more lenses you have, the farther you can go without degrading the quality. What you'll also get is improved portrait mode because you're actually getting multiple lenses working together to do that blur effect. And you'll get some additional stage lighting effects as well. And these new cameras on the high-end phones, what will they be able to do? The third camera on the Pro iPhones, that's where things get really interesting. That opens up a whole wider range of possibilities. So one, you'll likely get even deeper zoom without degrading quality because you have three lenses optically working together. You'll probably get a 0.5x zoom now, which means that you're able to take pictures that are farther back so you can capture more information, more detail on the edges. So you basically get a much wider photograph. Uh, There's also going to be significantly improved low-light photos, which is something people have complained about. And what about the pricing on these phones? Because they seem to get more expensive by the year. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I'd really expect the pricing to be very consistent to the current prices, right? So around $750, $800 for the the low-end model which would be replacing the 10R and then the same, you know, $1,000 to 1450 or 1500 pricing for the high-end models depending on screen size and storage capacity. It's crazy that the low-end model is like in the $700 range. That's not low-end at all. No, it's not low-end. And that's the thing about the 10R. It's like it's always been positioned as this cheaper iPhone. Apple sort of positioned it as the iPhone for everyone. But the fact of the matter is is that it's the same exact price as the iPhones before they rose the prices $250, $300 to to $1,000 at the base with the iPhone 10 a few years ago.
So aside from the camera upgrades that we just talked about, there are still quite a few more additional tweaks coming to the iPhone that, Mark, you've reported over the last few days. We're going to keep that story pinned on Bloomberg.com tech for our listeners who want to know more about the smaller details that we're just not going to have time to get into in this episode. But overall, it does sound like all of these changes to the iPhone are pretty incremental. I don't get the sense that these will feel like entirely new products for the average consumer. Yeah, I don't think so. But I think the thing that, that shouldn't be lost is that Apple has really slowed down, I would say, its innovation cycle in terms of design on the iPhones in recent years. And if you look at the history of the iPhone, so obviously the original iPhone in 2007 was like nothing we had seen before. Then the next year they changed the design with the plastic curved black and white backs of the iPhone 3G. They kept that for the 3GS, and then they came out with the 4 in 2010. And that thing looked completely different. I remember being really you know, blown away by that design. It just felt super new. It used to be a new design, S year with the same design. Now it's basically three years in a row of the same look, which I think is one of the reasons that people are not upgrading at the same speed that they used to. Coming up, how Apple will be changing its other products, including the iPad, the watch, the MacBook, and the AirPods. And also what this will all mean for the future of Apple. We'll be right back. Okay, so before the break, we went through a couple changes coming to the three existing iPhone models, the XS, the XS Max, and the XR. Mark, tell us about some of the other products Apple's going to be announcing this month. Let's start with the watch. Yeah, so the Apple Watch got a really, really big upgrade last year with the Series 4. So this year, I think it's going to be a really minor update uh, focusing on the the casings. So I think more visual and material-based changes rather than real functionality changes. And what about the iPad? Yeah, the iPad is interesting because they are working on a, a bigger iPad upgrade for next year. This would be an iPad with 3D cameras on the back, which is what they're also going to add to the iPhone for 2020 as well. So you'll be able to use these laser-based cameras to really get a better picture of where you are in a room for much better augmented reality, computer vision, and AI applications. And so that's going to be a really big deal for both consumers and the enterprise use cases as well and businesses. And for this year, you know, we're expecting a softer iPad upgrade, focusing on the processor, focusing on the cameras rather than anything really significant. And what about the AirPods? Yeah, the AirPods, those are interesting. Everyone loves to talk about AirPods. So we got the original ones in 2016. Then there was the AirPods update in March with the new processor, the support for the Siri command. I don't want to say the wake word right now and have all my devices go off. Uh, (laughs) But they're also working on a new model. This is a higher end. I guess you can call it a pro model. It would be a little bit more expensive. would have the wireless charging as well. But what you would also get is a sense of noise cancellation and some water resistance. And I think those are going to launch around the end of this year or next year. And any uh, updates coming to the MacBooks? 
what we are going to get is a new sort of even proer MacBook Pro. So it's a bigger MacBook Pro. It's part of this approach to lock in professional users and retain them. This is going to have a over 16-inch screen, about 16 and a half inches, and I think that's going to be something that a lot of pro users are going to run to buy, and I, I hope it's not too expensive myself. Let's take a moment to zoom out and talk about the greater context for Apple right now. This is a really interesting time for the company, maybe one of the most challenging times in recent history. Walk us through the different headwinds that Apple's facing right now. Tariffs is is a big one. I feel like that's something that's in the news every day. Uh, I don't think it's really going to impact consumers a whole lot. I think Apple has sort of incorporated the price already of a tariff impact on the devices. I mean, you see how expensive the iPhones are already. I don't see any possibility of them getting more expensive. Apple's going to have to take a slight margin hit or they're going to have a real problem selling phones that are $1,800. It's just not going to happen. You saw the prices of the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil and a bunch of other impacted accessories by tariffs happening over the past year or so. You see the Mac Pro is $6,000. The display is another $6,000 if you get the stand. So I think these prices are too high as it is. And I think they're a little high because, you know, it's incorporating the cost of the tariffs already in there. Uh, The other thing is coming out with a breakthrough new thing, right? Uh, It's been a while. The next one will be an AR headset. There's a few other things that they're working on that we'll be writing about soon as well. So, you know, it's interesting and it's to be seen if they get these things out the door. Remember the, the car, the Apple car, when they went to work on that five, six years ago? Oh, you know, yeah. It, it was supposed to launch by now, right? Is that still in the works? It's not. Uh, they've completely rebooted the project. They're focusing on the underlying self-driving technology. They could eventually go back to building a car. But in terms of the ambition they had five, six years ago, you know, that's really out the door for now. I mean, listening to you talk about all the new products that Apple's planning to launch this fall or maybe next year... It sounds like there's just a ton of them. You, you know, there are different price iterations of the various products, and then there are just certainly more products than back during Steve Jobs' age. Yeah, I agree. They're doing a lot, but it's also it's a different time period, right? The competition is so much stronger. And so here's the problem. Amazon comes out with a really, really cool device, and let's say it's the Echo speaker, right? The Alexa speaker a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then... Down the road, people really get attached to the Echo speaker, and Apple doesn't have one. So people start buying the Amazon speaker, right? And people start moving away from the Apple ecosystem to the Amazon ecosystem because Amazon offers hardware products and categories that Apple doesn't have. And that's how you lose customers out of your ecosystem, by not completely locking them in, by not covering all the bases. And that's why you're seeing this push in services. That's why you're seeing Apple Music. That's why you're seeing the Apple credit card. So if you're an iPhone user, you have your banking in your phone, you have your Apple card in your phone. How in the world are you going to switch to Android when Samsung comes out with some breakthrough new phone that, you know, everyone wants in two years from now, right? You you just can't do it. They're not going to have the Apple card in the Samsung phone. People are going to be like, wow, I can't switch. I'm completely locked in. So that's what it's about. That's why Apple's doing this type of stuff. In terms of Apple's revenue, is the strategy of selling more products helping them offset declining sales of the iPhone itself? So yeah, maybe offset is a good word. They're not growing very strongly. I mean, I anticipate that they'll have some growth in Q1 for 
this year, given that last year's first quarter was such a disaster sales-wise. I mean, when I say disaster, you know, $80 billion is no disaster. But for them, it was a drop in growth. It was big missed expectations. So something interesting was that the iPhone had 48% of revenues uh, last quarter, which is one of the lowest percentages in years, which is a good thing. It means some of the diversification is working. But, you know, the reality is that all these products and services really are around the iPhone as a hub. You know, the AirPods, it's an iPhone thing. Siri is an iPhone thing. I could list every Apple product, every Apple service, every Apple application and make a really solid argument as to why it's basically completely reliant on the iPhone. So even though iPhone sales are declining, it's still the core of the company. You might as well call it iPhone Inc. And so as a result, Apple still needs to find its next blockbuster hit. It does. It needs to find whatever the the hub will be afterwards, right? I mean, you've seen it change over the years. It was the Mac. Uh, Then it was the iPod. Now it's the iPhone. Some people thought it would be the iPad, but the iPad really quickly turned out to be a companion product. So, I mean, the question is, are you eventually going to build your world around glasses? Are you eventually going to build your world around a watch? Well, we'll see, but Apple seems to be trying all the different possibilities. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I personally feel like this. I don't know if this is how Apple feels, but my personal feeling is that, you know, people are always going to want to carry a, a device that they can do everything from in their pocket or in their purse or in their backpack. So I don't really see the iPhone going away anytime soon. Based on what you know right now from what you've been able to tell us today, do you think this new slate of products that are coming this fall are the game changer that Apple's looking for? I don't think anything they're coming out with this fall is a game changer. I don't think this is going to boost you know, their sales, boost their, their profile, et cetera, et cetera. But I also don't think they're a game changer in the negative way. None of these products will do anything to hurt them. It'll keep everything moving smoothly for them. And that's important. What are you going to be watching for from Apple over, I don't know, let's say like the next two, three, four years? The big theme for me is for sure going to be this augmented reality slash virtual reality headset that they've been working on. I think that's the big focus area. Moving away from Intel in terms of their processors for laptops, that's going to be another big one, as well as the 2020 iPhone with 5G. I think those are the the three big things on my plate. If our listeners want to watch this fall event live where they'll be unveiling the new iPhones and all these other products, where can they follow along? They'll be live streaming at apple.com as they normally do, I would expect. But also, of course, my Twitter account, twitter.com slash Mark Gurman for the best live commentary. I'm sure you're going to be on Twitter all day. Yeah, (laughs) all day, every day. And of course, we'll be posting stories all day long on September 10th on our website at bloomberg.com slash tech. Mark Gurman, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Decrypted is produced by me, Aki Ito, and Ethan Brooks. Emily Busso and Ann Vandermeer are our story editors. Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.